Hello and welcome to the Coach's Journey podcast. This is episode 20 with the amazing Giovanna Caposa. So Giovanna has dedicated most of her work and life so far to exploring what makes us sick and what helps us heal. She grew a thriving alternative medicine practice, uh, spending enormous amounts of money on learning and developing herself and creating an amazing practice that, that helped you know, hundreds of people. But in 2012, suffering from what she calls caregiver's fatigue, she found herself on an extended trip to Mexico, really reassessing her life direction and slipped, as, as many of the guests on the podcast do, into training and then working as a coach. One of the interesting things about Giovanna's journey is that she has twice been invited by really successful people um, in the world of coaching to join their teams. And that includes um, the Prosperous Coach co-author Rich Litvin. And it was when uh, Giovanna was on Rich's team that I first met her and she taught me some some uh, pillars on which I still um, build my enrollment process. People who have paid close attention to my work well have heard me mentioning Giovanna's name before. What's interesting about this episode is that more recently, Giovanna's own health crisis has brought her back into the world of healthcare in a more explicit way. Um, and, you know, in this episode, what that means is we get Giovanna in amazing form talking candidly about her relationship with coaching, with the coaching world, and particularly the realisation that coaching alone was not the complete picture for her. Uh, and what that means is she, she's really talking at the moment about moving from phase to phase of her business. And I think that's such an interesting topic for us to have in this episode. Um, Giovanna, just before COVID launched, was uh, COVID uh, happened, struck, was due to launch with her niece, a um, new wellness center in Toronto that is now live uh, in a virtual way. And I'm sure we'll follow, or I really hope we'll follow when when the pandemic passes. Um but yeah, we get Giovanna really thinking about that thing, which I think is interesting for, for new coaches and for more established coaches. And actually, a future guest, you know, Allegra Stein, we get into something similar about about this with about how coaching, our coaching evolves and our business evolves. And for Giovanna, this is about picking up pieces of herself that she kind of divorced herself from in the past in what she describes as coming home to include this more... Uh, holistic approach, I guess, integrating the work, her original work in alternative medicine with the work she's done over the past few years in coaching. So that's fantastic. And but but what I think, you know, people will particularly love um, is when we get into what Giovanna's learned about the utopian vision that Salter coaches, what, yeah, what she calls the good the bad and the ugly of the world of coaching, her love-hate relationship with the coaching industry, the times when she wants to puke, the things that we both, or particularly, you know, I describe and she, we, we, we get into that, that feel really icky, icky, yucky, all those kind of things. Um, and I think for new coaches and established coaches alike, that will be great. Um, while we're on, I want to just give a quick check, uh, name check to the Coach's Journey community. Um, for those of you that haven't, uh, didn't catch the last episode or the, the things that I put out about that, the Coach's Journey community is now live. Um, what, what that means really is that I've created a flexible and affordable way for coaches to work with me, people who want to grow their business, who want to thrive as a human while they do that, and who want to be connected to other amazing coaches who are passionate about this work. So we had the first ever call in November. Thank you so much to those those founder members of the community. Uh, we had a great call touching on loads of interesting things that, that many coaches will recognize you know, how do we feel confident about the work we're doing, the story that we do, the stories we tell ourselves about the testimonials we receive, the, the fear of taking our coaching back to the worlds that that we, we worked in in our last 
um, in, in our pre-coaching career, um, resistance, why we put things off, uh, and how scary it is and important it is to press the go button in announcing our coaching to the world. And, you know, big high five to the coach who, who did that um, as a result of the conversation we had as a community on that first call. So particular shout outs I want to give to Natalie Spencer, the first ever member of the Coach's Journey community, no matter how long Natalie stays as a member of the community. Big Big thank you from me for that, for that show of faith. It it means a lot. Um, And also um, on this podcast, you'll hear me when people become a Diamond Level member um, or a Diamond Level supporter, because you can now, if you love this podcast um, and you want to support it and and help it keep going and help it reach more people, you can now also subscribe via Patreon to support the podcast. Um, Any Diamond Level supporters will get little name checks on the podcast as well. But the first ever Diamond Level uh, member of the Coach's Journey community is Ruth Savile so big shout out to Ruth um, and there's still space so the next call is on the 8th of December um, still time to join the community at Diamond Level to join that and still the chance for someone to be the first ever full member of the community um, looking forward to announcing that at some point so that's all you can read loads more about that at thecoachesjourney.com um, which is also where you'll find uh, in the in the show page for this episode links to all the, all the things that Giovanna and I mention including her new health and wellness uh business uh which is um you can also find at bluehivehealth.com but without further ado um yeah look i really hope you enjoy this interview giovanna has so much wisdom and so much insight to share from her work from the the things she's learned off the great coaches she's worked with and the terrible coaches she's worked with she has a couple of great stories to tell about that Halfway through the interview, we also slip into this really beautiful conversation about how to work out if coaching is the right thing for you and what to do if it isn't. Uh, so, so definitely listen out for that. We also touch on the trap of chasing high-ticket clients and why it's okay to drop your prices, the pitfalls of measuring success by income, uh, understanding that being a coach is being a business person. Yeah, and that conversation, I think, is really valuable. For, will be really valuable for a lot of people about the realization for Giovanna that coaching is a part of her but not the whole of her that's enough from me uh, of today for now so I'm going to hand over to me of a little earlier in 2020 and the amazing Giovanna Caposa for episode 20 of the Coach's Journey podcast Giovanna welcome to the Coach's Journey podcast I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. It's a re- I, I'm really excited to have you here too. Um, I was thinking a little bit about why, why particularly before this call, and I realized there were two things that were standing out. One is that I still use some things that I learned from you when I'm enrolling <laughs> clients, and we first met probably like three, three and a bit years ago or something like that, I think. Yeah, maybe more. Yeah. Maybe more. Yeah, could be more. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, so I'd love that that's still there, and I was recently... And I put out an episode of the podcast earlier this year. I th- I'm pretty sure I name-checked you at the point when I was talking about... Oh, no, I did, because it was me editing together some videos that I'd made a while ago and just putting them together with some extra bits and pieces. And it's great to have you here for that reason. And I know you have lots of, of thoughts on all kinds of things that, are, that will be really useful to people. Um, so that's one. And then the other one that, that just stood out, which is not something I necessarily talk about that much, but when I was looking through your website and I know your work is is changing in all kinds of interesting ways mm-hmm. at the moment but when I was looking at your website it you know in the, I think I sent you a message that I saw I was listening to an episode of um, 
your podcast or the one that's that's resting now or, or whatever it is with yeah. the Hendrix. It's in reruns. It's in, yes, exactly. <laughs> I was listening to a rerun um, yeah. of Gay and Katie Hendrix. And yes. uh, also on there, I noticed, I haven't got to this one yet, was Ariel Ford. And that made me remember that um, for people who don't know, look, uh, people, most people who have listened to this show will have heard me talk about the Hendrixes before, particularly the big leap and uh, yeah. kind of concepts. But but I first came across Gay and Katie Hendrix on Ariel Ford's Art of Love series in 2014, oh, wow. yeah. which which in some way it wasn't quite the first personal development transformation, learning about myself thing that I'd bought, but it was pretty close to that. Um, and they were guests on it, and they and I, at that point I was just like, whoa, um, what an amazing set of wisdom there is out there from people like like them um and it was just really nice to be looking through your website and your work and getting reconnected to that stuff because really that's how i that's how i came to this world of coaching and people looking to support themselves and change themselves in all those ways it's really nice to just get connected to that a bit through you so thank you for that yeah that's really cool i mean one because um as a teacher I love when people say, you know, something you taught me still sticks with me to this day because I'm the same as a student. I, I have things that, you know, teachers have taught me that they really stay with me. And it's just, I think that honors the teacher. So thank you. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, I was tickled pink to have them on the show. I think I got choked up at one point. I was going to start crying <laughs> because, and, you, and if you watch the video of that, on YouTube, you can see that a little bit because I was just so tickled. Um, I followed Gay Hendrix for the longest time, you know, from the big leap and then started following both of their works. Uh, when I lived in Santa Barbara, I actually met a really close friend of theirs that worked under them. So then started following all their relationship stuff and yeah, just, I was tickled. So I'm glad, I'm glad you enjoyed that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's super cool. And yeah, like I love you, you meant, I I didn't see on the video, I had it on um, Spotify or something, but the, uh, it's a really nice bit where you, you just say, like, I'm so fangirly right now. It must have been really <laughs> yeah, fun to have I was totally fangirling out, yeah. <laughs> um, so, Siobhan, I want to, like, rewind your story a bit to start us off. Sure. Now, I know that the way that you... I know from your story, from knowing you, from what's what the, the content that you put out there, that there's loads of places we could start... Well, with anyone, really, there's loads of places that you could start a story sure. from. For the, for, and we'll we'll bounce from here to loads of places. But for the for this podcast, how did you come to the world of coaching specifically? And you know, do you remember when you first came across it as a thing, and yeah, uh, where you were, and what impact that had, and what you were up to at that time? Well, I'm embarrassed to say that my my first foray into you know, I didn't know it was called coaching at the time, um, but was like you know the the late '80s. Uh, you know, Tony Robbins infomercials. I'm completely dating myself right now. But, you know, that was the first thing. And I remember looking at him and looking that he was a teacher and he was charismatic and that he was actually helping people change their lives. And I remember thinking like, wow, like I'd love to do something like that. And then of course, you know, self-talk was like, you're like, you know, however old I was back then, 1920, like you, you, there's no way you can, you know, do that. Actually, I wasn't 1920. I was younger. I'm really dating myself. Um, but I I remember looking at that and saying, wow, right? Like that's amazing. And then in my head going, you're, you're too young. You, no one, no one cares what you have to say right now. Um, Fast forward years later, I had an alternative medicine practice because I've always been 
interested in the healing arts and I've always been interested in, um, you know, more than interested, actually, I've had an obsession about why we get sick and what helps us heal and, and all of that and really in, in a natural way. And so I had an alternative medicine practice for eight years and I literally hit the wall and, you know, people would call it burnout. I later realized there's a term called caregiver's fatigue, which is definitely what I had. I had um, helped take care of my dying mother for three years. Uh, at about a year after that, um, sort of hit the wall and 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 really looked at, you know, I ended a relationship I was in at the time. I, a year after that said, I can't practice anymore. Like I, I can't, I didn't even want to talk about vitamin C anymore. Like I got to the point where I was like, if somebody asked me one more thing about something healthy, I'm going to scream. <laughs> like it was, it was that intense. So I actually took a sabbatical. I said for the first time in my life, I, I, deigned to step away from work and responsibility and said, I am going to take a year off. And I decided that on an extended trip to Mexico, uh, I was there for, I was meant to be there for four weeks. I ended up staying for eight weeks and decided I was going to come back and live there. And so on this sabbatical, I met someone and I, and I started telling her, you know, I don't really I don't want to be tied down by the brick and mortar. Like I've just, I'm so stressed out about all this stuff. And, and she was an internet person. I, I'm going to say, cause back then in 2012, I, my website was basically a glorified business card. I had no idea about internet marketing. I had like no, no clue, nothing. So I met her and she was a web designer and, uh, we talked and she said, oh, well, she goes, well, besides prescribing and, you know, the physical stuff you did, because I had a technique I used to use, she said, well, what, like, how do you talk to people? And so I was explaining to her what I do. And there's often a very detailed two-hour case taking. Uh, I'm a homeopath trained. And so I was telling her about the psychology and all that stuff involved and how I help people. She said, oh, she goes, well, you're a coach. And I said, a, a coach? And I said, like, like Tony Robbins coach? And she's like, What's it? that's kind of what it sounds like. And I was like, huh. Okay. Oh, let me look into that. So I was bored in Mexico after I can, I'm an Enneagram seven. If you know, if your audience or you know anything about Enneagram. So we're go, go, goers. We're the enthusiasts. We need the next thing to look forward to. So after about like, you know, four or five months baking in the sun, I was like, I'm dying here. I need to, I need to do something. So I found a course online that resonated with me in terms of, um, the fact that it was going to teach me online business skills the fact that it was going to teach me how to grow practice, the fact that there was coach training involved and that I would be eligible to get ICF certification because I'm all about the, you know, I used to be all about the certificates and stuff. Um, and, and it was very spiritually minded. The person running it kind of spoke my language a little bit. What was the, what uh, was the who was the person or what was the course? Um, I'd rather actually not say, because I'm going to say something unflattering in a minute about that. Okay. <laughs> so I'm not going to say who it was. Love it. Um, but I found this course and it was a year long program and it appealed to me and I signed up and I, and to, to not take anything away from her, uh, or her company, uh, I learned a great deal. You know, I got, we had to videotape, you know, a hundred hours of coaching. We got critiqued on that. I learned how to really open people up. I learned how to deep listen. You know, I learned a lot, a lot of amazing things. I learned this whole wacky world of online business, which by the way, whatever I learned back then is so outdated now. Um, but I learned all these amazing new skills. Now it turns out that I, you know, later went to work for this person. She actually offered me a position a year, a year or more later after I finished the program and it didn't work out so well. Um, I just, some behind the scenes things that didn't, 
sit well with me. So that's why I'd rather not say who it is. Um, but that having, having said all that, it opened my eyes in many ways, right? It opened my eyes to the good, the bad, and the ugly about the coaching world. It opened my eyes uh, to people we look up as leaders and, and who they really are behind the scenes, you know, how they manage themselves and their businesses. And what are we actually buying when we're buying something online, right? Who are we buying? What are like, what's, you know, what's, what's in there? So it opened my eyes to amazing new things, but that's actually how I got into coaching. and. For me at the time, it was a great way to stay mobile because I wanted to have this um, slowmatic existence, right? Like I, I'm not nomadic. I, I don't. I'm, I actually don't enjoy, you know, every two months moving. But I wanted to stay living in Mexico at the time, um, and this was going to allow me to do that because I could do it on this wacky thing called the interwebs. So that's how I got into it. And, uh, and then it just progressed from there. And I, I, I kind of flailed around for a few years trying to figure out the business of it. Um, I was very much sold something that a lot of coaches, new coaches are sold, which is high ticket, high price clients. You know, you can only have like, if you could have five clients a month and just live, you know, live on the hog, right. <laughs> With all this money. And, and there was this air, which I didn't pick up on until later, but there was a little bit of an air of this, I hate using the phrase get rich quick scheme, but there was this really like, you know, you have your first 5k month and have your first 10k month. And in this program that I was in, the people that were earning the most money were the most highly venerated, right? They were the teacher's favorite. And so there was definitely a lot of pressure put on uh, coaches to charge a lot of money to make a lot of money um, in order to say that they're successful. And there was less emphasis, and this is not just relegated to her program, it's, I've seen this across the board, there's less emphasis on how well are you coaching? You know, how efficiently and effectively are you actually creating change in people's lives? Um, and so that was not sitting well with me, except I didn't, you know when you, something doesn't sit well, but you don't know that that's the thing that's not sitting well? Mm. Um, and then I discovered this, is how you and I met, I discovered the book, The Prosperous Coach. And that was through a coach of mine at the time who had studied with Steve Chandler and I think still does. And I, um, I went the rich, the rich side, right? Like, so Rich Litman and Steve Chandler wrote this book and I was really interested in, because suddenly it became familiar to me because I, I was flailing around trying to sell my service. And I kept saying, I'm not a salesperson. I suck at sales. I suck at sales. And then I found this book that literally outlined exactly how I used to sell in my alternative medicine practice, which I didn't, which is, I didn't sell at all. I just provided really great service and everybody and their mother, you know, I had a completely referral word of mouth business, um, which is why I didn't know advertising for eight years. So that's how I discovered that. And then I ended, I ended up in rich world <laughs> as I call people and, um, very cautiously accepted an invitation from him to join his team. Cause of course I had been burned and, you know, almost quit mm. coaching cause I saw this really ugly dark side. Um, and it's, touch it's wood interesting that, that you got invited that, that that invitation happened for you twice, right? That it did happen for me twice. And I, and I, and I, it, it's, it's amazing to me because, um, you know, I do believe that things are meant to happen and meant to be like I reached out to Rich um, simply to uh, for two things. One, to thank him for a video series I had watched that had completely just changed my view of coaching and kind of re um, invigorated my passion for it. Because like I said, I had kind of gotten really 
you know, burnt a little bit from a, someone I really looked up to and someone I, um, you know, put on a bit of a pedestal. And, uh, and two, to give my condolences, because I had heard that his, his good friend had just passed away tragically. And I, I got an email back and then it, you know, one thing led to another and had a conversation with him. And, um, and he was even shocked at the end of that conversation because he's like, I don't do this and I'm just going to follow my gut here. Um, and it was because he had heard of, of all the sales that I had done with the other coach and, and how much money I had basically brought through across the door. And so he wanted to know, like, you know, what the secret was of how I did that. And I said, well, <laughs> I just used your book. <laughs> it's not really a secret. <laughs> um, so that was the funny part. So I, I did join happily his team um, and lasted for three and a half years. So much different experience, renewed my faith in humanity and, and coaching and all that stuff. Um, and yet, you know, like we've talked before we hit record, I, I still have some strong views about coaching and uh, how it's done and what we charge and all of that. So that's my very long-winded story of of how I came to be. And now I'm totally doing a 180 and getting back into wellness. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And actually like, let's come back to those. Que- There's loads of questions I could ask you about that. that sure. So you've yeah. just given us, I don't know what it, what it was like eight years in, <clears throat> in 10 minutes or something, but it's, let's come back to some of that stuff later. Cause, and to put in context first, yeah, I could kind of feel like, I think we, we had this conversation scheduled in maybe a month or two ago or something and we had to move it. But at that point, it was more recently you you were bringing your podcast she rises to a to an end yeah. um and so i could you can kind of feel that some things are moving in your work so i think probably before we get into the past we, it's good to set the context of what's going on for you right now yeah that's a wonderful question thank you for that so i had been have been happily coaching this whole way and really realized at the end of last year more so the beginning of this year um, but it w- I, I could see it trickling sort of November, December of last year and pro- probably the whole of last year, if I'm really being honest with myself. Um, I had started writing a book. Uh, it was going to be my memoir and it's, uh, it's still a work in progress. Although I think the book itself has, has asked, has asked me to change it. So let's put it that way. <laughs> so there's a bit of a pause on that, but in the course of writing that I started to have to dig deep into other pieces of myself and a big piece of myself is, you know, if we use the archetypes, you know, myself as healer, not that I'm, you know, I heal, but I, that I actually help people along to discover and heal themselves. And I didn't realize that was such a big part of my life because partly, and actually not partly, wholly because when I got burnt out of my other business in healthcare, I, I didn't, it's almost like I severed an arm. I just, I was like, I can't, I can't take care of people anymore. I just couldn't do it. So it was almost like a denial of myself. But as I was writing this book, I was really like, I was kind of going back and like picking up these pieces of myself, right? Because again, it was a memoir, right? So you have to do that. And as I was picking up these pieces of myself, I started realizing that more and more of this needed to come into my coaching. And so, and it did, it did. I, I, I was using all those pieces. And again, throughout the year, started realizing, you know, this coaching thing is awesome and something's missing. And what was missing were these pieces of my former career and self that I just didn't bring along. And so I, I'd been gathering them you know, over the years. And I finally, I think it hit me at the end of last year, beginning of this year, that um, something had to change, that I could not solely just coach. It wasn't fulfilling enough for me. I realized that it hadn't been for some time, but because I was uh, part of Rich's team and actively helping him in his business, 
I, I actually wasn't really able to be still enough in my own business to say, mm, something's not right here. And again, it's that sort of thing where I felt it the whole time. I felt this incongruency um, and it was showing up in my life in, in various ways, but I, I couldn't articulate it. So now it was very obvious to me. And in that same realization, um, a funny thing happened is my niece, who it, people always wonder how I'm in business with my niece, but she's actually only seven years younger than me. I was an aunt at the age of seven. Um, so she's a grown woman. <laughs> I always say that and people think I'm like, you know, in business with my little niece. <laughs> um, she offered me, so she had been conceptualizing and working very hard on a wellness business for a whole year. And she had been coming to me to consult with me and ask me questions and all of that stuff. I even uh, taught a relationship series for her for her wellness uh, center or her wellness series. And she asked finally if I would just join the business and be a partner. And I hesitated for a little bit. And I said, well, why don't you go away? She was, it was December. She was going away to Australia. And I, you know, I was hunkering down for a long, crazy winter here in Toronto. And I thought, let's just like, let's have this month. Let's both think about it. And let's see how we feel about it. And it ended up, you know, a few months later that I decided, yes, I'm going to join. And we talked about how I was going to join and what capacity. And so we decided to partner up. And I have to tell you that every inch of the way of making that decision and even saying yes to her, it felt like a homecoming. Like I literally had moments of like tears welling up in my eyes. I just felt like I was really coming home to myself and I was coming home to these pieces of myself that I had forgotten. And what led me there was actually part of what led me there was my own health crisis. Like I, I started having a bit of a health crisis and I, I, I had to go back and, you know, dig up all the old tools. Um, so that coupled with, you know, her asking everything, the timing was perfect. It just couldn't have been better. So that slowly started to happen. Um, and so we are in full production mode. Um, we've had to unfortunately take a massive pivot because we were on our way to um, opening up a physical location, a, a big wellness center in downtown Toronto, and then COVID. <laughs> so we are pivoting to creating a virtual clinic space until the end of next year where we can find a space to actually move into and make our home. So the company is called Blue Hive Health. And um, we are, you know, patient-centered, focused on education. And what's beautiful about it is I get to bring in all of my skills. You know, I'm mm. still coaching. Um, I get to bring in my skills as a healer. I get to, you know, connect now with other practitioners and healer and healers and bring them on board into our clinic as part of our clinical space. Um, so it's a beautiful shift from being uh, operator to owner um, and a huge learning curve. So my, Go my, my Google, my niece is a Google executive. And so she is bringing all of that wondrous business marketing stuff that is so not my thing and I'm bringing the other side of it. So, uh, it's a perfect, it's a perfect marriage of the two things and it's beautiful that I get to, you know, work with family and <clears throat> our visions are aligned of what we want to create. And she's had like amazing, um, stories about her own recovery. Um, so that's where I'm at right now. So we're launching two online programs, a new podcast, all the things, Robbie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And there's, I mean, again, there's so many things I could ask about that, but what got me perhaps most curious was like, I love the, love the way you said it felt like homecoming. 
as you mm. kind of settled into this. And what got me curious were those those bits that you'd left behind. And it sounds like some of it might have been because you'd just been kind of burnt out by yeah. the, the, the caregiving piece. And so it's like, I need to separate myself from that, as we often do in our lives, from things kind of feel too much one way or another. Is that what you were saying? Is that what you were welcoming back? Were there other things that you were welcoming back? And what did they look like? And yeah, yeah. what was that experience like? That's a really great question, even for me to dig deeper. Uh, the, the pieces that were coming back were, um, well, I'll put it to you this way. I lived in Mexico for nearly two years. And for the first full year that I was there, not one of my new friends knew what my background was. In fact, I was sitting at a cafe once talking to, with two other women after yoga class. And I, someone was saying something about some symptoms. And I spontaneously said something about adrenal fatigue and was taught breaking down some things. And, and my one friend who had known me almost the whole time went, how do you know this stuff? And I was like, Oh, like it just kind of flew out. And I said, Oh, well, I had a clinical practice for eight years and I'm a homeopath and a holistic nutritionist. And I said, and she was like, what? Like, how do I not know this about you? So that's how much I had divorced myself from the person who had that knowledge. And so the pieces I was getting back were, you know, the per- the person that not only had that knowledge, but continually was seeking to refine that knowledge. Uh, the person who loved teaching about that, right? The, um, the part of me that was a complete and total advocate for people's health and not only for people's health, but for empowering people to be their own health advocate, which is more important than someone advocating for you. And it just came flooding back. And in fact, Mm. the funny thing is, is that even on my original logo for She Rises podcast, I had the three words that have carried me since I started my business in 06, which is educate, inspire, and empower. And it wasn't until I did the redesign like late last year that I had gotten rid of those words. But I realized those words were on my business card when I started nutrition. They were on my business card when I moved into, you know, other homeopathy and other bioenergetics. And I always had those three words and I thought, what the hell happened to those three words? Um, and that's what it brought back to me is that person who's passionately believes in, uh, alternatives and that person who passionately believes in, um, educating yourself about your own body. Um, and so, and, and unfortunately, and fortunately, you know, COVID hit. And that put a bigger fire under my butt because I got really like, you know, inflamed and, 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 um, and really wanting to get back into people understanding things because I don't want them to be afraid. Um, and that's why I started, I started getting my nose all into this stuff because I was afraid. I didn't understand my body. I didn't understand why it was doing certain things or not doing certain things. You know, I I didn't understand like, well, how come some people get sick and some people don't? And how come some people heal and some people don't? And the whole mind-body thing was such a fascination to me. So coming home to those pieces was all of that. Just Mm. bringing all of that back home. Even um, because I, I went into my own health crisis with some chronic fatigue and almost a repeat of that burnout. I had to, I had to take a look at that. I had to take a look of what, where that was coming from. And that was like, oh my God, I forgot about this stuff. I forgot that there's this whole other world. So yeah, that, that's what the homecoming means to me. Yeah. And this is something so, I don't know. It's almost like a, I get, it's almost like I can pick up some of that feeling and I'm sure people listening can, 
just the it, it kind of even brought in for me some of those times where I've just gone ah you know that bit of me that I kind of just forgotten or pushed away what if instead that's a part of this work that I'm doing now or a part of what yeah. comes next and there is some kind of real I don't know I can feel it in my chest a little bit there is some real feeling for me yeah. to that to those moments when we can really take that and I love that that those three words you know still they were they were true then they've probably been true this whole time even if they disappeared from the logo you know briefly yeah and they're they're really supporting what's coming next it feels like yeah it's part of the same journey yeah absolutely and 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 speaking with my niece about how she envisioned the business um she didn't exactly use all three of those words but it's exactly what she was saying so you know everything was coming back to that and everything was in alignment and you know i see a lot of coaches doing that and it probably just doesn't happen in coaching. It's anyone that, you know, pivots or goes into a, a different career. Like we often think like, okay, well, I have to leave that behind. And, you know, I get it. If you were a plumber <laughs> and you became a coach or you became an electrician, then yeah, maybe you do, you know, some pieces get severed off. But for the most part, um, you know, there's there's something beautiful in bringing all that forward and integrating it and bringing it in. And I always knew that that was an option. I always knew that that was a possibility, but every idea I had, well, maybe I'll be a wellness coach. I'm like, ah, that didn't work. I didn't like that. Well, maybe I'll do this. And I was trying to fit um, all of that into the mold of coaching as opposed to just like zooming out and actually looking at all of it and saying, well, there's something, there's a third option here that can be created. And what is that? And I didn't do that. I, I kept, I, first I was in the tunnel of like clinician and practitioner and what fits into that and what doesn't. And then I was in the, you know, that tunnel of coaching and like what fits here and what doesn't. Um, and it started to feel really constricting. Like I was, it was, it was literally this, like I hated the word coach. I didn't want to be called <laughs> that anymore. Like I just started, you know, resenting it um, until I could see, you know, how to, how to integrate. I think that's really important for people listening that, you know, are coming from different vocations, careers that just because you're pivoting into coaching, it doesn't mean you leave that behind. Um, and it's something that I've taught over the years and it's something I've repeated a lot of times, but I wasn't actually applying it to myself, not because I didn't believe it, but because I just like, I get it. Like I know it in theory. I just didn't get it. I didn't know how to do it until it became clear. Yeah. And I think it is a really interesting phase, both for people coming into coaching, but also for people who, you know, like you, like most of us, like people who aren't, who are listening and can't see there's a five big silver five balloon over my shoulder, which we were talking yep. about before we hit record, which is because I'm at five years into my business. And it, even at that stage, even though I feel like I can still handle the word coaching, although I totally get, get that sense. That's a, <laughs> that's a great signal, right? There's a sense that the next phase is going to look really different. And so yep. how the next phase looks, I don't really know yet. It, but I'm curious about this process for you. And I, and I also get that it's kind of early days, right? Because mm. you haven't, because of COVID, but also just because it's not that long. This is where you are and you're looking forward. But it sounds like this process for you was, there has been a, I think what you said was there's been a kind of sense that something was off for a little yeah. while. You said, just now you said constricting and before you said this feeling might have been around for a year or so. Mm-hmm. Or longer. <laughs> longer, right? But but it yeah. sounds like what you needed to do was just wait for the kind of universe to align to show you this opportunity to remind you that there were these parts of you you could 
bring back do you think that's right yes. or was the work that you did as well to help that transition well yes and no so i i'm all about universe aligning and pieces happening but there was a huge component that now i can see retrospectively and it was i needed to not be afraid to say no this is not it right i kept saying yeah but yeah but yeah but yeah but if i let go of that if i say no to that then you know i'm going to lose all my clients or if i say no to that then I won't have income coming in. Or if I say no to that, then, then who am I? If I'm, if I don't, you know, if I'm not no longer a coach, right? Like what? So there was a lot of fear in actually saying, telling the truth, which was, this isn't working for me. You know, I, I, I always say that I segued into coaching as the next logical step. It was never, um, a high passion. And I see coaches out there who are doing amazing and it was their high passion. It was the thing that they started. And, then, and, and that, is, that is what's going to get you to succeed. But I kind of did the whole, well, I was kind of a dental hygienist. So why not become the dentist, right? Like I just kind of segued into it. And it, was, and it was effortless to me in many ways because I was already coaching and I had been coaching. And so it was easy, but it never completely clicked for me. Um, and it didn't matter. I mean, I had so many coaches say, well, look at all the testimonials you get and look at all the, the, the change you've made. And I love that, which is why I'm not completely stepping away from coaching people. I'm still coaching, but to do it strictly as a standalone business never clicked for me. And I, and, but I was forcing it and it was the, it was the classic square peg in a round hole. And I, and the fear of me saying, no, this isn't it. This isn't working actually stopped me from being able to see the bigger picture of what what would work for me and how I could use it, you know, and maybe, you know, the business, obviously the business opportunity came into play late last year, but who knows? I could have gone back into clinical practice and continued. Co- I mean, there's so many permutations of how it could have manifested, but the main thing was I was afraid to say, this isn't working for me because what we do, and I've, and I've, I've coached my clients through this, which is amazing, is that we, we say, well, this is it now. And if, and if this, and if I don't have this, then X, Y, Z, you know, X, Y, Z fears come up. I'm going to say Z for the Americans, but I'm Canadian. <laughs> I'm a Z girl. Nice. Um, Good. Glad to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> but so, and, and it's that fear of, of letting it go and, and not being able to see the bigger picture. And I've coached many other coaches who are just slamming their heads up against the wall. Why isn't this working? How come I can't make money? Nobody wants to buy my service. You know, I've, I've lowered the prices. I've raised the prices. And, and you have to take clues from the universe. When something's not working, you have to step back and say, why isn't this working? Maybe there's a piece of yourself that's missing, you know, that you haven't included in there like mine was. You know, maybe there is like a whisper that's coming to you that's saying, you know, go this way, don't go that way, right? Maybe it's just not for you and, and you need to be willing to say that. So, um, to, you know, to answer, go back to your question, yes, there was pieces of universe aligning and timing. And there was finally me saying, like, just dropping it and saying, I give up. I don't, this isn't it. It's part of it, but it's not it. And I'm just, I'm going to give it up. And I I had to be willing to do that. Now, thankfully, I had the Christmas holiday break um, and into into parts of January where I just, I said, I'm, I'm literally switching off. And I started, I started experimenting and playing with, I'm letting go as my, of my business as I know it. And that was terrifying. Cause it's like, what? I gotta, 
you know, I just bought a condo. I got to pay the bills. Right. So, but I had to, I had to do it and it was terrifying, but it's the only way the next thing shows up. And I knew that, and I know that, and I teach that, but doing it yourself is, is a whole other ball of wax, as they say. And that was the main thing. I can now go back and say, oh, that was it. I was hanging on to the known for fear of the unknown. Right. And I guess in some ways, the, the burnout moment helped you do that with that first business. But this one was like, yeah, I can feel the kind of the energy of that, of having to say no to it for now and let it go and not, not knowing exactly yeah. what's going to come next. And you mentioned before too, like how odd that, in, you know, another, you know, big coach in the industry yeah. asked you to join their team. But if I look at that retrospectively, that was also the universe saying like, this is a piece of what you're going to do, but it's not your business. It's not your whole thing. And so the whole time working with Rich, actually, even before I started working with Rich, I knew that something was off right? That I was, you know, I was zigging and coaching was zagging, right? Like I was something, and I, and I remember having a conversation, many conversations with him about that. Um, and it's, you know, it's part of the reason why I enjoyed being on his team for so long, because I knew that it was part of it, but it wasn't it. So, um, I think that was another way the universe was saying, here's a way that you can use some of your genius, and it's not going to totally fulfill you. And there's going to be a time when you have to step away and, and have a reckoning, which I did. <laughs> yeah, and there's, there's something about this, though, because we do kind of tell ourselves, it feels like we, we uh, in some parts of culture, tell ourselves that we have to, that the thing has to be it. We have to yes. be doing the thing, it. With, um, right? For people who are listening, I'm doing air quotes around all that. Speak <laughs> uh, the whole time. And it's kind of, there's something nice about really nice about the way you're saying you know this is part of it but it's not it and I guess I wonder either for people who are listening who, who are suddenly like oh that's what's happening for me right now or yeah. if you were to go back and be able to give you a, like I imagine that that like how was it to be in that sense of of ah, this is a part of it but it's not it and yeah and to move out of that or to acknowledge that and realize that had been what's going on it's really uncomfortable. And for people listening that are going through it, they, they can resonate with that because it's, it's really uncomfortable. It feels like you're trying to fit into a pair of jeans that, you know, you fit into when you were 18, that no longer fit. And it feels forced. And what happens is it shows up in various ways. It shows up in lack of fulfillment. It shows up in boredom. Um, for a lot of people, it shows up in their, in their bottom line. Right. So I had a mentor years ago say to me when the faucet, you know, is dripping or runs out, then meaning the money stops coming in, that there's something off, right. You need to look at what's off. And so for many people, it manifests that way. For some people, it manifests as just a complete lack of interest, a restlessness. I mean, there's so many different ways that our body and our mind give us, and our life gives us clues to, hello, you need, you need to take a detour here. Um, and we're so hell bent on, well, no, I chose this and, and then it's, and this has to work. Like, this is the thing that has to work because I said it was going to work. And uh, I did this with my book. It's like, well, no, I said I was writing this kind of book. So it has to be this kind of book. And then when I stepped back, I was, my book was clearly saying to me, I'm not that book anymore. Like you need to write a different yeah, book. Let's talk about the book. So tell, <laughs> tell, tell me like, where did it, 
where did it start? You said a memoir. And then, uh, and how did it tell you, ah, no, I'm a different kind of book right now? It's the same clues, right? Lack of interest, no forward motion, everything I was trying to get done with it, I was like, I was hitting a hurdle. Uh, Same thing was happening with my business. With my business, that happened really different. Like I, so I, I hit a hurdle with my book and that production kind of stopped. Then I hit a hurdle with like an assistant that had been helping me. She just disappeared off the face of the earth. And so things got dropped, right? Podcasts, mailing, all kinds of things. Um, I had a coach that I had a, like, I just had a falling out with, kept dropping the ball. And I was just like, I can't do this anymore. My web designer just completely messed up my website, like just totally butchered it. It's, it looks pretty, but it's just word vomit. It's an awful website messed up my SEO. So I had all these things happening all of last year, like one after the other, after the other. And I just, I, I, I was, no, it has to be like this. Like this has to be the thing. The universe was showing me like, hello, this is not, something's up here. Um, and so with the book, it was the same thing. And I think for me, um, the book was a memoir. Uh, it is, it's about my relationships. I'm, I've predominantly been a relationship coach, um, although labeled myself quite differently over the years, but that's what I've uh, taught on and coached on. So the book was going to be on relationships. And um, I gave a speech, uh, I entered a speaking competition two years in a row. And in September of last year, um, sort of came out of the closet, as it were, in a big abusive relationship that I was in. Um, and after I stood up in front of hundreds of people, and who knows how many on YouTube, um, and actually confessed that this had happened to me. And I had held so much shame over the fact that I would have let myself be in an abusive relationship. Um, Once I said that story, I just was like, I'm complete. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel the need to rehash, like rehash it again in a book. I didn't feel the need to continue digging into my past. And I joke that it was a 70,000 word journaling exercise that helped me heal a lot of my relationship stuff and helped me, you know, move into a new phase and a new relationship. And so there's so many beautiful things that came out of it, but I, I literally hit the point of I'm done. I'm complete. So the stories are still there and they're still relevant in helping women in particular men too, but in particular women um, who are, you know, love addicted and, and suffering, you know, relationship drama, trauma and stress but it's going to it's going to look like a different book. It's going to look more like a book about trauma and mm-hmm. and all of that. So sometimes it whispers the message. <laughs> uh, sometimes it nudges you, and sometimes it just whacks you on the head. And and uh, I'm a stubborn learner, <laughs> so the, the you know the the things we've talked about, um, I, I've really needed I've really needed some good smacks and heavy nudges. <laughs> Yeah. And this may be wider the mark and, and also you may not want to answer it, but it, did you say that that happened? That's that kind of that speech where you came out in that way happened last year, like last year as well. Yeah, it was uh, September. I think it was September. Yeah. September of last year. It's it's on the interwebs. It's on my YouTube channel. Nice. Um, well, yeah, we'll yeah. put a link in the, in the episode yeah. description for people who want to check it out. But you know, I just wonder how much do you think that that piece of work being complete, the piece of work, you know, meaning in a big sense, right? Not the yeah. speech and not the book, but just you said, ah, oh, actually this is complete now. Yeah. I wonder how much that completion opened up the space for what has been happening now and the change of business. 
Yeah, it was definitely part of it. I mean, that was the first in the line of completions um, mm. was that. Um, and next came um, just, you know, not I'm not going to force the business anymore. Um, you know, thankfully, I still get clients that are referred to me and, and that happens, but I was going to stop trying, right? And then next came, you know what, I'm going to play with the idea of what if it, what if, what if I didn't have a coaching business? What if I just let that piece go as a standalone business? And that was scary because I didn't know what the next step was. Now the next step is I'm including it in another business, but I didn't know that at the time. I was just like, oh my God. Like, but, but, that, but that is such a good, like just to catch it again, because you did it before. <laughs> that is such a, it is so such a good way of describing what happens to people when they leave one period of their life behind and another. Yeah. They think, we all think, and I include myself in this, like, oh no, I'm stopping that thing, which has been part of me forever or for five years or 10 years. And I don't know what's going to come next. And well, what's going to come next is that thing that you've just let go of because it's part of you and some more. Yeah. So it's like, you just said it beautifully. It's like, yeah. you know, I thought it was nothing. And then of course, what, what comes next is that thing and right. more. Yeah. Like I'm not enrolled in a program to become a plumber or right. a lawyer, right? Which I could be. That's totally fine. People do that. They do complete 180, but, or yeah, is it a 180? It's a 180. But anyways, I, 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 it's it's more of that integration, right? It's more of the moving on, and and instead of releasing it, it's integrating it. Um, and and the, a lot of people are hesitant to do. I have seen, oh my gosh, Robbie, I have coached because of course working on my own, but then also working, you know, with Rich for three years. I've coached so many coaches who I can I can see clearly that this is not for them, or it's only a part of what's for them, and they're beating themselves on the head with a mallet. Because unfortunately, the coaching industry, like I mentioned before, has sold this high ticket, high price, like this is how, you know, you're going to, you can work from anywhere, you can do your thing, and really sold this like, I don't know, utopian view of what it looks like to have a business. And just seeing coaches like beat themselves up and bash themselves in the head because they can't make it work. And there's so much richness and there's so much that they have to offer that they're not even including. And in fact, I years ago, I stopped working with a coach because, um, you know, at the time she came from this model of like coaching is the thing. And I kept expressing how there was more for me and, and she couldn't coach me into the more because mm. she was so like, yeah, but it's all about coaching. And, and somehow when I was saying things against coaching, it was, it was threatening her own belief system. I can see this now. I didn't see it at the time, but it was threatening her own belief system. And so she couldn't actually, actually coach me into maybe coaching is not the thing for you. Maybe it's the thing plus, right? Which I now know years later, but this is, this is what we need to do for our clients is we have to uh, like really, really set aside. This is something that my training in, in homeopathic case taking really trained me to do because my professors were all about, it's not about you. Nothing that the client says or the patient says is about you. It doesn't If it pulls on your heartstrings, whatever. If it, you know, if it triggers something in you, you go take care of your own shit. It's not about you. And I don't think we get taught that enough in coaching to really separate that line. Um, and, 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 and a lot of us do it instinctually because we just want the best for our clients. But some people, 
they don't get taught that. They don't know that. And so if our stuff is coming in, then we're not really truly objectively looking at what our clients need. And I've, and I've, I've coached a lot of clients who came to me because they wanted to, you know, start their coaching business and, and like, you know, make all this money that's out there for co and and turns out that they, we didn't work on the coaching business at all. We saved their marriage. We helped them find a new career. You know, I helped, you know, help push them towards maybe promotion at work, help them realize pieces of the, and then it was like, wait, I actually wasn't looking to start that career. I was actually looking to just find what my thing was. And I kept pushing that it was this, you know, so it's, it's another angle, right? I know your show's all about the coaching journey and coaches are probably watching this going, Oh my God, she's telling us not to coach. But, well, but I think actually is, what I'm saying is yeah. be true to you. Yeah, exactly. I think this is yeah. really important because I've done work with coaches as well. And, and sometimes had them experience like the ones that you're talking about and I, you mentioned it before. And I, so I wanted to come back to it. And I think it's really important that we slow down on it. This sense that, um, you know, you talked before about coaches where it's just not working. Yeah. And you know, you've given an example of, of, of what that can be, which if I've got it right, you've seen a few times, which is they've kind of projected all the things that they want in their life onto this utopian vision of coaching. But actually that thing can be achieved by, you know, working on their relationship or their, some other part of their work or something yeah. different. But with, for those, you know, because it's possible, of course, that people listening in are thinking, uh, well, they could think any number of things as a result of that idea of the coaches for whom it's just not working or isn't possibly mm-hmm. isn't the right thing. So with that, and you've got this amazing perspective, having worked with all these coaches, how would you support now or how would you suggest someone does some work if their coaching business isn't working to find out whether it's that they're doing something like speech marks wrong yeah. or there's a place they can upskill in order to make it help it work or if it's actually just the wrong thing for them. Oh my God. I have so much to say on this. <laughs> How much time do we have? Left? We've got time. Giovanna. <laughs> yeah. As much as you like. So, oh my God. Okay. Where do I start? Okay. First of all, um, you need to create safety. And what I mean by that is you cannot figure this out without a safety net, whether it's a job, whether it's an inheritance, whether it's a savings, whether it's something that has you fulfilled that, you know, we have Maslow's hierarchy, right? Like we need to have that primary thing fulfilled, right? One of my favorite things that Rich taught me and teaches everybody was if you need another coaching client to pay your bills, you don't need a coaching client, you need a job. So so that is the first thing because nobody can figure out anything any creative solutions to any problems when they're in survival mode. Okay. They can't everybody. Hello, we're in a pandemic right now. Everybody, you know, now people are coming down a little bit, but for months we were in survival mode. There's this tiny invisible thing that's out to get us. Oh my God. Right. So we're in survival mode. There can be no creative thinking. There can be no, um, you know, good solution based things that come out of that because you were simply not functional, right? You were, you were, your trauma responses are going off. So you need to get safe. You need to find a full-time job or a part-time job or something and get safe. Okay. Feel safe. Move them to your mother's basement. I don't care what it is, but get safe. Okay. After you do that, you, the primary thing that I would say to people is you have to be willing to let it go. 
And that's the like, right. This is where I got held up too. It's like, no, I can't, there is money coming in. Or I just spent, you know, when I let go of my previous career as a clinician, I mean, I had spent over $40,000 in my education. I had even family members saying, are you insane? You have like 700 clients, you know, you have like a successful practice. You, you've just spent all this money on school. Like what? And of course my burnout facilitated me saying I'm out, but don't wait to burn out, you know, be willing to let it go. Be willing to be willing to see that there's another option, the second or third option. And that's really, really tough to do. And I would say, I mean, journaling is so like, it's becomes just cliche, but you, you have to somehow, and if, if you're not a writer, like speak it out, talk to a friend, you need a way to, to look back and reflect on all of your, your toolkit. Right. So you have to be able to write down and say, okay, this is where I came from. This was my previous career. This is what I love to do. This is what I'm passionate about. This is what like when I, when I start talking about it, I could stand on a soapbox for hours. You have to get all of that out and you almost have to show it to someone who's objective that can reflect back some things to you. Like I thankfully have wonderful supportive friends around me who reflect back a lot of things. And one of the, one of the things actually I had a friend reflect back is this ability to like reinvent and, and transform. And I thought, oh, I never looked at it at that, right? Because I'm too busy going, oh, you know, I failed at that. I'm going to start something new. And it's, no, no, there's a different perspective, right? It's like, this isn't, this is the new thing because that wasn't working for you. So I would say for people that are stuck in that right now, I mean, as we keep talking, more ideas will come to me, but I'm getting stumped up on my own excitement. But um, (laughs) that's where you have to start is you need to get safe and you need to be willing to let it go and see if there's another option for you and not, um, you know, it's the equivalent of, of, of being in a boat with a slow leak and you being determined to get to the other side of the shore. There is another boat in the water that's saying, come on, I'll help you. Except you're too busy and you're like, no, I'm going to make this work right. And you're just like plowing along and, and you need to be willing to let it go. It's the same thing that I tell people with relationship coaching. Like you need to come to the place where, you know, you're okay with just you being you. And if you're okay at that place, then you can objectively look at what's going on here, right? If you're not like clinging and, you know, um, hanging on out of fear. So that's the biggest, biggest thing for me. Those two things, uh, three things really, because then you want to journal it out. You want to find out and do the digger, uh, deeper digging and have someone reflect back to you. Yeah. And it's interesting because it sounds like those are the answers. (laughs) What I love about that, those answers, the things you just said, it feels like they are the answers for both the people for whom coaching is the thing and it just isn't working quite right for them yet and yeah. they're the answers for people for whom coaching is not the thing and actually they need to find you know yeah the, use this moment in their life to find out the thing that is yeah because those people that and I and I see them I've coached them like they 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 live sleep eat breathe coaching they dreamed about becoming a coach and they and and so and it's not working because and and for those people it's like they're get a coach, right? There could be some skill set that you're missing. There could be some things you need to learn. You might be charging too much money because we're, we're in this fantastical world of like high ticket, high price, which yeah. isn't, it's like, 
you're pricing your, you might be pricing yourself way out of, you know, your industry or your market. Um, so maybe there's those things, right? And, and, and maybe not, maybe you're the person that, you know, you want to work, you want it to work because it's cool or because you, you know, spent money on a certificate or I don't know, somebody said, you give really good advice. You should be a coach. Like there's so many people out there for whom that's true. And for either camp, you're right. Um, you need to be willing to let it go so that the actual answer can come to you in calmness and in wisdom as opposed to like flailing around. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I want to ask you about, about fees and stuff. Cause you brought that in a yeah. few times and I think it's sure. really interesting conversation, but there's something, let me just see if I can get it. Uh, I can have some water while you. Yeah. Definitely. I might have lost it. This might be one of those great moments that we'll leave in to show that this podcast doesn't I'm get sure edited. I'm sure I lost things too as I was uh, speaking. I guess it just feels like... No, let's move on. Let's move on. So let's talk fees. Um, and, yeah. and that we'll trust that that wisdom... I'm sure what it I was going to say was going to be like the greatest thing that had ever been said on a podcast, but um, we'll just have to trust that that's the case. <laughs> um, yeah, talk... Talk to me about fees, Giovanna, and, and what you've seen in the coaching industry and why oh, it's like this weird thing about high fee clients, this kind of strange utopia that sometimes gets sold. Yeah. I don't know. that There's something strange there that, that many coaches mm-hmm. feel. And I'm curious, you know, you've seen the inside of two big coaching operations, it sounds like, and you've had loads of personal experience with clients who are coaches and otherwise and playing your own game with coaching about how you want to run your business. Yeah. What, yeah. what is this strange part of the industry? I, you know, I, I'm very transparent about the love hate relationship I have with the coaching industry. I have been for years in eons. Um, I don't know where this idea came from or who started this idea about high ticket, high price coaching. Um, when I started coaching, I looked at what um, a coach, I wouldn't have even labeled her a coach here in Toronto, but she, now that I know about coaching, she's definitely a coach, but she was a coach slash kind of therapist person. And I looked at what she charged me by the hour, which was still, you know, quite pricey in terms of therapy people. And I, and I, I aligned myself to that initially because I thought, well, we're doing similar work. I'm less experienced than her. So I started off a little lower, but eventually I kind of lined myself up to where she was because it was affordable enough. It was challenging enough that I was going to commit to showing up and doing the work. Otherwise it's expensive. Um, And it was comfortable enough. And, and now looking back, it was um, affordable enough to the types of clients that I wanted to attract. Again, not pricing myself out at $50. I think at the time I was, I was doing like, it was like two fifty an hour is what I, when I first started coaching is how I measured it out. Could have been less a little at first. And I, and I, and I thought that was okay. I came from a world where I was charging way less per visit than that. And so that was a bump up for me and was still comfortable and challenging enough to say, and I still think challenged my clients. Then I got into this world of like, high ticket, high price, thousands of dollars. Like, you know, if you break it down per session, it's like 
you know, some people, I mean, depending on, on where you are in the coaching world, in the upper echelons of coaching, you're charging upwards of like sometimes thousands of dollars per session, per month, per week, what have, what have you. And, and it all started to sound normal to me because I was, <laughs> I was in this world with other coaches that were saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they were getting that money. Um, and I thought, oh, well, this is cool. Like who doesn't want to make more money? And if people are willing to, to pay that amount, and if that's what uh, coaching, right, I'm doing the air quotes, if <laughs> coaching is worth that much, then, then sure. Um, and so I fell into that same trap um, and started, you know, low, upping my prices, upping my prices, upping my prices. And it's this whole pressure that gets put on to coaches. And again, I don't know who it started from and who started it, but it's this pressure and this almost like, like underlying, this is a really great way for you to like make good money helping people. And it's all about the money, all about the money, all about the money. And I just want to puke. <laughs> I'm just going to be like really blunt about it. I want to puke because I'm losing my pillow here. I want to throw up with that because here's what gets lost along the way. You start getting not only competitive with yourself, but with the business and with other coaches. And you start measuring the bar of how successful you are as a coach based on how much money you make. And I have observed many, many talented coaches who are really, really good at what they do, who are really caring and really altruistic. And they just can't sell at that level, right? Or their clientele just cannot afford that level. And they have labeled themselves failures. Their business isn't going as well. Like it's all this mind fuckery, if I can say that. You can. And, and really, they're going further and further away from the thing that they love to do, which is they love yeah. to coach people and they love to help them transform. Now, there are those coaches out there who are amazing and who are still doing this successfully and charging more money. And that's fine. Maybe they have a clientele that could afford that. But when I got out of the coaching bubble and started talking to like real world people, including a lot of like, I mean, I've coached surgeons and lawyers and executives and people at, you know, Google or Amazon. I've coached people that are in, when I got out of the coaching bubble, I started really talking to these people, not as potential clients or clients, but just as people, you know, at barbecues, at events, their perception about what the coaching industry charges and does was really eye-opening to me because they think a lot of them we're all nuts. I mean, unless you're an athlete or you're an executive at like Facebook or Google and you're in the, you know, the average Joe that we could really help as coaches, that we could really help transform their lives. We've completely priced ourselves out of helping them. And we're flailing around with this business that's not making money when we could actually be doing the thing that we love to do, which is coach, right? So I have a huge belief about pricing. I think if, you know, you need to price yourself based on your clientele, right? Like if you are, like I have a friend who coaches people like in high levels of, of uh, executiveship and, you know, they might not take her seriously if she's bargain basement coaching prices, right? So there is a perception of value there. And I get that. And that's okay. I have no judgment on that. But then they're just the average Joe coach, right? Who wants to just really help people who just loves having these conversations, right? Like this idea of having, a, I mean, I still love it. I get tickled to having a powerful conversation with someone and their whole life changes. It's like, whoa, 
right? It's, it still lights me up. And if I'm not able to do that thing that lights me up because I've priced myself out of my market, guess what? I'm going to really start hating my life. <laughs> I'm going to really start hating coaching. I'm going to start hating the business of it. So my, my, my philosophy on pricing is find out who you really want to coach and ask yourself why. Like if you, if you're like, if you just got your coaching certificate and you know, you, you don't come from a corporate background and maybe, you know, you maybe you came from a background like mine and you just really want to get those corporate clients. Well, ask yourself why, is it because somebody in the coaching world said that would be cool, right? Or is it because they actually are your clientele? Like you really need to be honest with yourself and price yourself accordingly and not out of your market. And if you're not getting clients at the price and creating clients at the price that you set for yourself, and it's and the type of clientele that you're getting, like it doesn't match, you, you, you need to sit back. There's been many times in my coaching career that I've dropped my prices. There's been many times I creatively create packages for people because I know that what the work we do together is going to transform their life or their relationship. And they just can't afford this like price that someone told me I should charge. Right. Um, and that's okay. And that's not a failure. So I mean, there's so, I have so much to say around pricing and I'm sure there'll be coaches that come on that completely say something opposite to me, but I have a real beef about what we're sold as coaches and how we measure our success. And it's all about the dollar bills and it's great to make great money, but it's also great when you make that great money because you're getting to do what you love to do and creating impact. Yeah. Right. If you only get to do what you love to do like once or twice a year because people can't afford you, then like you're not really doing the thing that you want to do. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> I no, could go it's, on. <laughs> it's it's great, and the, there's so much in there, isn't there? In, in different ways, but it does feel like that story. You know, it's interesting. What I feel like is the story that we should or great coaches do charge X thousand pounds or dollars or whatever, you know, these high, high fee amounts. It both really captures people. Yeah. But it kind of, it's a good sales technique, but it's like, it's, it's also people. Yeah. They get trapped in this weird thing. And I've seen this with a bunch of different coaches and probably been in it myself between, yeah, I really want that. And, and it's not really want that, right? It's like, I should want that or I should be able to do that. And I really don't like it. They've got, you know, got the same feeling that you have. And yep. what I hear you saying is choose a different way to measure your success in yeah. this work. Um, because money is A1. You know, it's a way of getting paid for things. It's a measure of value. But it's certainly not the only one. It's not. And I mean, I love Steve Chandler's philosophy on this because he always teaches, um, or at least he did. I'm sure he still does is like start at a start at a price that feels good for you that feels comfortable that gets like people in the door. And when you get totally busy and you just you're busting at the seams, you know, then raise your price a little bit because it's kind of supply and demand and you you just can't burn yourself out, right? But I see too many new coaches just pricing themselves way out of the ballpark, right? Just right off the hop. 
they don't have enough experience. You know, they, they're, they're still intimidated to say those numbers, but somehow, you know, we've sold them this bill of goods in the coaching industry that that's what successful coaching is. And, and that's, you know, that's the way to start. And it's just not the case. And there's a lot of, um, this is, I, I don't know if I can say this, this is also very controversial, but Please I'm just going to say it. Cause you said I could say whatever I wanted. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of, there's a, okay. I'm just going to say it. There is an incestuous quality to the coaching business. And that's a, it's a very charged word. And I, I, I don't say it, I say it very cautiously and I don't use it lightly um, because there, there are actual victims out there that have, have suffered that. But I say that as it pertains to the coaching industry, because there's a lot of coaches that make money rightfully or wrongfully so off of coaching other coaches on how to have a business. Now, if you're a really successful coach and you've done a good job at that, then, then you should be T. I want to learn from you, right? Because you've done it. So like, show me how, right? That's the essence of a teacher. <laughs> but then there's a lot of um, us, I'm going to include myself because I'm part of it. There's a lot of us yeah. that kind of turn in and want to coach other coaches on how to create this business simply because they're not getting any other clients because their prices are too high. And they're like, well, okay, but coaches understand the pricing. So they're willing to pay for it. Now I have been on the, on that side of things where I've paid a lot of money to a coach to teach me how to create like my own coaching business money that I way couldn't afford, but I did it anyway to push myself because again, that's, a, that's another thing we get sold on the other end as clients, right? It's like, well, if you push yourself to pay more money, then you're more invested and you're more committed. And there's some truth to that, but there's also some, a little bit of taken advantage there. But I did that and, and, I, and I didn't necessarily see all the results, right? And I see that a lot with coaches that are not doing well coaching whatever they want to coach that end up um, coaching other coaches. Now, I, I did that as a result of working with Rich because that was his business, right? To coach other coaches. So of course, I had to do what he did in his business. But I hated it. I hated it. I, it, wasn't, it wasn't fully my passion because it's not what I wanted to talk about day in and day out. Um, so there, there is this incestuous quality where we're like feeding off of each other in a way just to stay afloat. And again, it's all about the money. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I don't want people listening, thinking I hate money or I have issues, you know, in that sense, make all the money, like be a millionaire, like go, go nuts. And for those of us who are, like you said earlier, like, ah, there's something, it's just mm, like, it's not clicking. It's not jiving. We really, really have to sit back and be honest with ourselves. Right. Um, I've seen so many coaches out there who are coaching other coaches to have their first 5k month because they just had a 5k month. It's like, well, you did it once. Like, how are you, you know, but they can't get clients any other way. So that's how they, and so we're, we're in this, what I would really encourage people listening to this to do, if you're a coach, obviously listening to this is get outside of your coaching bubble and actually talk to the type of clientele that you want to have, whether it's executives, whether it's athletes, whether it's, you know, moms at home, whether, who cares? I don't, I don't care who it is. Go and talk to them and ask them what they'd be willing to pay for coaching. You know, say your prices to them and see how they react. And it's not about, um, 
it's not about like, you know, getting, you know, what is it like, uh, handling the objection and all that bullshit, get a, get a reality check. You know, when I talked to a couple of, um, so I mentioned my nieces in Google, I sat down with her one day and I had a really honest conversation with her. And I said, like, I want you to ask around the office. I want you to ask around people about executive coaching, right? We look at that as the upper echelon of code. I want you to really ask them about that. And I want you to go to your HR who like kind of covers a lot of this cost for some of their employees. And I just, I'm curious. And the feedback I got from her about what they're willing to pay and what the value they see in it was really eye-opening. Now, correct or not correct, it doesn't mean you have to base your prices on that. You can charge more, charge less. I don't care. But it was eye-opening for me because the perception of what I was taught was normal to charge was like mind-blowingly, completely out of the park. And these are people that are making, you know, four, five, six hundred $600,000 a year. Like they could afford it, right? It's not a matter of not affording it. It's a matter of the perception of value. And that was a huge, huge wake-up call for me. Um, yeah. So, and I mean, I have... <laughs> This brought up something else for me about how we sell coaching, which I, I would, I, if you want to go there next, yeah, I'm happy to go let's, there. Because, let's go there. Yeah. So you were, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming one of the things that I taught that you remember as part of my enrollment sandwich, that, that whole yeah. way to have the enrollment conversation, right? Yeah, which is not just, about handling the objection. Yeah. Do you want to just give a short outline of that? Yeah. Just it's just care. a, it's a way to frame your conversation, um, you know, it's not about handling the objection. It's about showing up in, in service. And it's a way to frame your uh, enrollment conversation to really lead the person and support them through the enrollment process. And there's nothing about it that is salesy, pushy, manipulative, or any of that, because I just hate all of that. Mm. But I can I just recently, last year, end of last year, had an experience with a very successful coach. She's got books. She's got a TV thing coming out. She's got... And she literally, and I see this happening so much, completely tried to coach shame me. And um, I actually, my, my term for that is a bit more vulgar. It's coach fucking, but it was, I'm going to say coach shaming. <laughs> she, she pulled this whole, well, you're not willing to invest um, because that's you self-sabotaging. And, you know, if you don't break this thing, wow. it's never going to, you know, it was this whole, like, it was... It's gaslighting. Yeah. It is it's gaslighting. Icky, isn't it? It's disgusting. And I literally sat back and read her email. And I, I mean, I unfollowed her from her. I just, I want nothing else to do with her. I was so disgusted that, you know, this is how you talk to people that you're supposedly out to go help. And it was a complete, like, I wish I could have just, I wish I should have saved it just as a what not to do. But it was a total gaslighting of the, you know, you can't afford this or you are not paying for this or you are, you know, because X, Y, Z, right? Like, because you are self-sabotaging because maybe they just don't want to pay your prices, right? Um, incidentally, this person never, I never had a coaching experience with her. Mm. So she was asking me to pay this exorbitant amount of money, promising all these results. And I never had any experience working with her. Didn't yeah. have a, co you know, didn't have a coaching conversation. So again, like this gaslighting of clients and this way that we sell, which is disgusting. And this is why I got into teaching sales. It, it just, it, it started to really grind on me. Um, mm. 
Yeah, and, and like for necessary. people out there, I guess, like I'm aware that I've had conversations that from the client side, as I've been learning how to do this whole thing, that felt really icky, right? Like I know that I've had those conversations and they're how I've learned, right? So it's like, there's a sense that when you're starting out, sometimes you're going to get it wrong and you're going to say something that you think sounds right. And a, a, an experience that a friend of mine had with her coach, you know, I had a similar reaction to what, to the one I just had when you told that story, which is like, you know, wince. It's like, oh no, yeah. you know, I can never now, I knew the other coach a little bit. I can never recommend a coach to that, anyone to that coach now because of that thing. With the person in my friend's story though, I could kind of give the benefit of the doubt because I, this, you know, the coach was earlier in their journey, all that kind of thing. It may have just been them getting their money conversation really wrong. <laughs> and right, for all I know, they've learned do, from that. Which I've done, yeah. Definitely done. But yeah. this one is like, yeah, that, that, I mean, it's a, it's like, for me, it feels like how to run a business. And this is one of the things I love learning about from you and things like that, that thing, the coach sandwich that you've just described or that conversation, you know, the way to structure those conversations is how do you do this stuff with integrity the whole time? Yeah. And it's not easy. And if, I don't know, I just don't think I could, I think if, if I wasn't doing that, then I would have that feeling that you, you have described at times where it's like, Oh, there's something wrong with this whole thing. Yeah. And the way that, yeah. th- that there isn't anything wrong with the whole thing is because I'm trying to hold in that space where well, success the isn't just part- the money and The scary part of that whole story that I told is this is a highly successful coach in that she has a thriving business. She makes a lot of money every month. So I'm thinking, wow, I was on the receiving end of that and I didn't buy into it. I just felt gross about it. How many people do feel gross about it, are on the receiving end, but then think, oh, well, this is the only way I'm going to get help. Or believe it, right. right? And then internalize that story that, that they've yeah. got this this problem with the way they and think about money. And she's the holy grail that's going to fix me. And it's just, and you know, we've all made mistakes. I mean, before I discovered, you know, enrollment conversations and and that uh, book, The Prosperous Coach, like I flailed too. But um, there is a way in which your internal, um, whatever you want to call it, your spidey senses, if it feels gross, don't say it backtrack, like have an awareness on yourself the whole time. Um, and don't, you know, it's all about creating a sense of service and value. Mm. And I always say the sale is a happy side effect of that. <laughs> like you don't have to do much if you've really created service and value and your prices are aligned to that person, then it's, it's, it's an easy sale, so to speak, because it's just a happy side effect. Um, you can create a lot of value and a lot of service and your prices going back to that conversation are not aligned with that person and you don't have a sale. But when all elements are right, when you have your prices aligned, when you're showing up with value and uh, being of service, um, you know, magic can happen in a lot of different ways. Uh, whether it is that you enroll that client, whether it is that now you can help that client, you know, to the next, whatever phase of their life. I mean, you know, a lot happens when you keep that in mind, but, um, uh, you know, she's, she's very, uh, she's very wealthy in that sense. And so it works. That's the scary part is that it works because she's making a lot of money and it works. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, but I think, you know, that other piece you just said about getting it in alignment, the sale being the happy side effect, the sense of creating service and value, like, I don't know, that's the place where the soul is really, and perhaps it's when 
when coaches or, or the industry, the coaching industry loses sight of that, that's when things start to get a bit, yeah, uh, a bit icky and, um, and I think the majority of people out there are really in it for their heart. Like they're, I mean, you don't go into a healing profession of any kind um, trying to get rich quick. However, it's really appealing when there's a big ticket. Well, it would be lovely to that. get rich, get rich quick, right? And right? to have of the course. little thing you could snap your fingers and 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 have that thing, especially if totally. you've had most of your life, you know, where money has been yeah. something you've had to think about a lot. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, and and another piece of this, Robbie, too, just to round off is that you have to also really ask yourself whether or not you want to be a business person. I mean, I teach um, the college I graduated from, I'm on the faculty and I teach practice management there. And I help uh, people graduating from the program set up their practice and, you know, understand what to do and, you know, corporation or sole proprietorship, all these different things and how to actually sell their service and all of that. And you would be stunned to realize that I, I asked this question at the beginning of every like, you know, semester. And I say, how many of you are excited about becoming a business person? And almost none of them raised their hand. And then it's like, hint, hint. Um, if you're taking this program and you're spending all this money, if you're not going to get into business after this, then really is this a hobby for you? And some of them are really honest and they put up their hand and say, yeah, I'm just doing this as a hobby because I just want to up my skills and, you know, I want to learn about this stuff. And other people are just, I could see that the, 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 you know, it starts clicking in their head like, oh shit. Like if it's, this isn't a hobby and I do want to make money out of it, but I don't want to be a business person. Like I can see that the, it starts clicking like, wait, there's an incongruency here because just because you're a, a dynamic, amazing coach doesn't mean you're a great business person, right? Just because you, um, anything, right. You could have, I remember in high school, I had the most brilliant, brilliant, uh, uh, biology teacher. She was amazing. She knew her stuff inside and out, but she couldn't translate that to teaching it. You knew she was a brilliant woman, but she couldn't, she just couldn't teach, right? No, and no one could follow her thoughts. Um, it's the same thing, right? So you have to be really raw, honest with yourself and say, do I really love what I'm doing as a coach? Um, and am I, am I prepared to, to learn and make it a business and learn how to be a business person? And does that excite me as much? And let's face it, not every part of business is exciting. I hate doing my taxes. Like I <laughs> hate doing that stuff, but there's a, there's a piece of you, at least a small piece that has to be really jazzed about, okay, like, how do I do this business thing? Because, and, and unfortunately, the daily maintenance of that can sometimes overshadow what we're passionate about, which is changing people's lives. But how can we get that, you know, if it's not exactly on the same level, but just raise it up a little bit. And if you're someone that, that has no interest in that, then, then you're coaching as a hobby and that's okay. But yeah. you, it's being honest with yourself. Yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> Nice, Giovanna. I want, we want to bring this conversation to a close in the not too distant future. I know you've got lots yeah. of other things to be to be doing today, and um, but I, I want to talk a little bit first. You mentioned a thing before we actually switched the recording on that you don't think of yourself or talk of yourself about as a coach in the same way anymore. I, I don't know if that's right, but obviously yeah. your next phase is 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 going to look different, and it's going to include coaching, but it's also going to include this amazing sounding new business and, mm-hmm. and with your cousin. So how do you think about your work now or going forward and what you Yeah, do? that's a really, uh, 
that's that is a question that remain that is is a work in progress. I mean, I um, it's funny because I don't I I don't resonate or respond to any one label in particular. Like I am, you know, I am an alternative medicine practitioner. I am a coach, right? I am a healer. I am all these different things, and yet I don't really resonate to any particular title right now, except for co-founder. Um, and for me, my biggest, um, you know, for my next foray and biggest thing is, is back into that education piece. Um, I want to provide a center and a space for people that can, can heal. Um, for me, my, my next exploration is probably going to involve some more training. I'm endlessly fascinated with the root cause of anything, Um, it's why I got into what I got into and I, even the way I coach is about root causes. Like I'm not interested in the stories. I'm not interested in, you know, even like setting a goal. Like I don't care. Like what is the root cause of why things are not working? Um, and that, and I'm still there. So I'm, 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 my next thing is probably, um, my next title is probably still going to be student. So (laughs) co-founder. student. Um, cause I do want to learn more about trauma work and helping Mm. uh, people through trauma. Um, I'm really realizing that, um, part of my frustration with coaching for myself was I wasn't getting to the root of things enough. And I'm all about, I'm very results oriented person. (laughs) So I want to see better improved results. And I really realized that when you can address trauma, you can improve results tenfold. So uh, that's my next title. So co-founder, student, um, and I and I have to say I I've been asked uh, to rejoin a clinical practice. Actually, just before the, the lockdown happened, um, it, again, this is part of the breadcrumbs of the universe because I had no intentions of doing this. I didn't even put it out. I didn't even actually put it out on social media that I was, you know, doing this loop back around into wellness. Like I, I wrote a personal story about my own health and how I was using that knowledge. Um, and I had this one person say, if you ever consider, you know, practicing again, um, as a clinician, I, we want you back at the clinic. And I was like, what, like, have you been inside my journal? Like, have you been reading my journals? Um, it was very interesting. So, I mean, that might be a new foray. So really things are really on a new horizon for me. Um, I've just, you can, I'm not in my home office because I'm, I've actually just moved in at the end of April with my my honey. And, uh, that's a whole new life. So there's a lot of, for me, a lot of life transitions that are happening. Mm. Um, but mainly right now it's co-founder student, uh, working on launching that virtual clinic space. And incidentally, our very first programs are going to be about mental health, mm. um, and assisting with trauma and anxiety. Cause I think that's the, you know, the tertiary pandemic that's happening right now with the, you know, medical financial and there's that. So, yeah, that's that's me. That's me ever ever evolving and changing. And I'm st- I still have coaching clients that I coach, so I you know still have that. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what the next phase looks like. Yeah, that's exciting. I, like I love you know the stories of. No, I just love it when there's something starting and emerging here, and it it feels exciting. And yeah, it feels like it's the moment. It's a moment in history for spaces physical spaces, I think, as well, like the one you're talking about creating. So I hope that that happens when when the coat, yeah, I should have said that we haven't really said this, we're recording in July 2020. Um, so right, in, the still in the middle of, of, the, pandemic. of the pandemic. So whenever that stops, yeah. you know, speech marks stops, we'll see how that actually happens. You mm-hmm. know, I hope that you do get back to the physical space. I think people are going to be 
people are always going to be desperate for that, but for particularly after this. Mm. And uh, yeah, I really hope that that I'm really glad that you're doing that work right now because I think lots of people need it. And I'm glad that you're still doing coaching and still doing educating and all those things because as this conversation shows, this, you know, all the work that you've done up to this point means you've got a huge amount of wisdom and insight and ideas to share. So thanks for doing that um, on this call and keep doing it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. I loved having this conversation. You asked me some really um, insightful questions that had me dig a little deeper. So I really appreciate that. Glad to hear it. Yeah. Thanks, Giovanna. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Robbie here again. Just one more quick thing, and maybe two actually, before you all head off onto whatever else you've got planned for the rest of the day. If you've made it all the way through to the end of the podcast, um, you must have really liked and valued what the conversation that I created with Giovanna um, contained, what you took away from it. And so I'm really glad to hear about that. If you did, you might be interested in two ways to support the coach's journey to help these podcasts continue. Maybe there'll be more of them and certainly them to reach more uh, coaches out in the world and and inspire them to create great businesses and to thrive while they do it. Um, you might simply want to support the podcast. Um, you can now become a supporter of the podcast. If you do, you'll get things like, depending on how much you... Um, how much you want to pay each month, you'll get the chance to get advanced notice of guests, an update video for all supporters from me each month, potentially the chance to submit questions for guests if, you, if you're if you a high enough level supporter and, and that kind of thing too. But also you might just want to, you might really value what I'm making here and, and want to provide some support. The other thing you might be interested in, um, if you want that, you want to do that, you want to support the podcast, you want to support what I'm creating, but also you might want some support from me as your coach, um, is you might want to join the Coach's Journey community. Um, this is my way of doing one of the things that Giovanna and I talked about in this episode, which is pricing my work in a way that supports the people I want to work with. And that means that the Coach's Journey community is an affordable, flexible opportunity to receive support from me, coaching, mentoring, teaching, all those all those good things that you can get from working with a coach and to connect you um the coaches journey community will also connect you with other coaches who are on that journey and the price starts from as little as about 10 pounds a month um, for access to a couple of community calls a year up to uh, about a hundred pounds a month if you want to be a full member um, details of of that are all at the coachesjourney.com slash community um, you can sign up to be a, a member or a supporter at uh, patreon.com slash the coach's journey so all of that of course is also at the coach's journey.com uh, and i also want to say thank you whether you become a supporter or community member or not thank you for listening thank you for talking about the podcast rating the podcast all those kind of things um have a wonderful rest of the day uh, a beautiful christmas if that's the kind of thing you celebrate um and uh, until next time mm-hmm.